lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to watch this video as we start this morning. my life wouldn't be my mom dying. She had two massive strokes at the same time. One went to her heart and one went to her brain. As soon as I walked in the door, I just started crying. As many times she's been in the hospital, it never looked that bad. The next day, they told her to pucker up her lips. That was the last time she responded to anybody. I don't like being at home anymore. You tell your daughter to wash the dishes. She, you never tell her to wash the dishes. And My sister Angela, I know she's trying to do the best she can, but it's hard because she's got all these rules. I'm not used to all these rules. My mom, I would ask her to go places, and most likely she let me go. I can't always bring, well, if Mama was alive, I can't do that because that's not right. They're two different people. I am very angry at God. I know before my mom died, I would question God anyway. I'm like, should I even believe in God? I don't understand why he had to take her just yet. I'm only 16. I don't know what I'm doing. And basically, mad when people say God will make a way. He hasn't. And if he does, he takes too long and it's too late. So what are you angry about today? Where does your anger lie today? You might be sitting there and saying, Preacher, I'm not really angry. I still want to ask you, what are you angry about? Could have been something that happened years ago. Just takes one little thing to set you off, doesn't it? Maybe that person uh, took advantage of you. They offended you. They hurt you by what they said. And, and you'll repay them, in your mind anyway, you'll repay them tenfold because of the way they treated you. Maybe you're angry at your life itself. You know, you look around, you think, man, I, this isn't what I planned for. This isn't exactly the path that I would have chosen I didn't expect to be here. Maybe you're angry about your job. You're not really happy there. Angry at your boss because they're unreasonable. They take advantage of you. You don't get paid what you think you're worth. I've always said if I could get paid what I thought I was worth and didn't have to work with people, I'd have a great job. Maybe you're looking at your marriage and it's just not what it used to be and not what you had hoped for and if you're honest today there's some deep wounds down inside you maybe you're angry at yourself for some of the decisions that you've made and they haven't been the best and maybe you got yourself in uh, debt because of some bad decisions and you don't see a way to really dig out of it and uh, maybe you didn't finish college you made some wrong decisions with your career and your just kind of angry at yourself. Maybe you're angry at your work and angry at friends. What is it that might be causing you to be angry today? Well, think about it. 
He could even be angry at God, as our video said. Because you've prayed and you've prayed for something, and time after time, nothing's happened. Maybe you've been praying for healing, your health to improve, for an answer to prayer. If you're really honest with yourself, between you and God, you're just kind of angry about it. In your outline, I've got a blank for you. Ask a question, where does your anger lie? I want to give you just about 30 seconds to write an answer in there. So the clock's ticking. Write an answer in that blank. What does your, where does your anger lie? You may not have a pen to write it, so think it onto your page. <laughs> think it on there. Where does your anger lie? We read these verses earlier, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, in your what? Anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still what? Angry. And do not give the devil what? A foothold. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Paul, he's in prison writing this, by the way. If, he was, if anybody could be angry with the circumstances they found themselves in, it would be Paul. Amen? And, uh, you know, he's been trying to start these churches, trying to do the right thing. And so these governing officials come by. They don't like what he's doing, so they throw him in prison. They lock him up. Lock him up. And he says, in your anger, do not sin. Can you say that with me? In your anger, do not sin. It's important to remember that. He goes on to say, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Let's unpack this verse. First Paul says, in your anger, don't sin. So what he's saying is you can be angry. And not sin. See, there's a, an implied thought there. The original word for anger in this particular setting is the Greek word orge. And it means desire. It's the same word that we draw our English word orgasm from. It's a desire. It's a strong emotion. Emotional response. But Paul says... Don't let don't don't sin. Don't get angry and sin. And he says, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. Read the story this week in preparation for the message about a guy who was 24 and married a girl who was 19. Well, boy, you're never better than you are at 19. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it looks everything. And she was a knockout. And he was excited to be marrying this girl. And so the preacher pulled him aside before the wedding to give him a little bit of preacher advice. We, we preachers tend to do that. So he looked at him and he said, Hey, I just want you to know that you don't need to let the sun go down and be angry. Don't do that. Well, he stepped back and he said, How in the world could I ever get angry at such a beautiful creature? He said, It just couldn't happen. Preacher, you've lost your mind. Preacher said, I'm just telling you. He said, but preacher, it's never going to happen. Well, they're two weeks into this marriage. 
And here comes that discussion. And it got a little escalated. Well, he being the man like he is, like most men are, he dug his heels in. He said, I'm not going to apologize. She's going to crawl on the floor to my feet and tell me I'm sorry. Well, he waited. And he waited. And he waited some more. Till finally he said, well, I'll just step up the pace here, so I'm going to not be as affectionate to her as I have been, and boy, that'll break the ice, and man, here she'll come just crawling up and apologize to me. Well, to make a long story short, she never did, and he realized the error of his ways, and he crawled on the floor to her and made the apology, and boy, it got the relationship back together. Because he learned what every man needs to learn is that you, you need to say, yes, dear, whatever you want. And that usually works out best. But don't let the sun go down on your anger. Paul goes on to say at the end of this scripture, and don't miss it. He says, don't let the devil have what? Foothold. A foothold is when you've got the advantage. Don't let the devil have a foothold. The Greek word is topos, and it means room. Paul is saying to us, the longer we're angry, the more room we give the devil to work this thing. Right? He does not want people to reconcile. He wants us to stay mad at each other, to stay angry at each other, to stay upset at each other. And if someone's hurt you years ago or whatever... Do the best you can to reconcile those relationships because we've got to spend an eternity together. Amen? We really do. We need to spend forever with, together with God and each other. So it would be helpful if we can get along down here a little bit. Now, we may not eat dinner together, but we at least can love each other and be civil. Amen? Absolutely. I can at least pray for them. And hopefully they would pray for me. But Paul is saying, don't give the devil a foothold. And that's exactly what happened the first time anger is mentioned in the Bible. There are two brothers. Can you tell me their names? Oh, you know it well, don't you? Cain and Abel. And uh, they're the boys of Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, and he says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Because you see, Cain brought this offering to the Lord and it wasn't accepted because he brought it with the wrong attitude. And so God's saying, look, if you're doing what's right, won't it be accepted? And then the Scripture goes on and God says, but if you do not do what is right, then sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must what? Master it. Master it. Cain failed to master it. Sin had mastered him. He's thinking in his mind, ah, it's just not fair. Old Abel, he just sits around all day and he doesn't do anything. He looks after animals and they just eat, they sleep, they grow themselves. Hey, I'm, I'm Cain. I'm working with crops. I've got to dig the ground. I've got to put seeds in. I've got to water. It's not fair. I've got to go far more and do far more than Abel ever does or ever has. And anger took hold of it, Cain. 
So he starts thinking that, and he's getting angry and he's getting jealous and he, he wants to get even until finally he takes his brother out and he kills him. And you might say, whoa, whoa, preacher, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, I'm not, I'm not ready to kill anybody. Well, the Bible says that in your heart, if you are mad and angry in your heart, your hatred toward that person is the same as if you had murdered them. Oh. Oh. I love Reggie White. I, I was sharing this at FCA last Friday before the game at Southmore. Reggie White was one of the most prolific defensive players in the National Football League. In fact, during the offseason, he was a preacher in a church. But Reggie White would play with total uh, passion and abandon. He would rush. I mean, when he tackled you, you were tackled. <laughs> if, he, if he was blocking in, he knocked you down, and he could do that. He was a big man. When the whistle blew, he would always reach his hand down to pick up the person that he had been encountering. And he would pick him up and he'd say, hey, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. I read a, I read a story. And he, this is a quote from him. He said, I, I, raised my, I picked him up and I would say, hey, Jesus loves you. He, and he'd start to walk back. He'd say, oh, and by the way, I'll be right back. <laughs> and next play, same thing. He'd help him up and smile at him. Hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you and I'll be right back. Now, that's a great way to approach it, isn't it? Because once you say, once you stick your hand out there to help the brother up that, you done, that you've annihilated, it's great to say Jesus loves you because it gets your mind in the right frame of reference. And oh, Reggie, I love, I love that story about him. And I wish Cain had that same ability. But God says in the Bible that if you hate somebody, you've committed murder. So, there are two wrong ways to handle anger. First, there's the spewers. And secondly, there's the stewers. If you're a spewer, we probably know who you are. <laughs> We've probably heard you. You get it off your chest. You get it out. You get it open. You send emails. And not just any email. You, you, you bold it. You put it in all caps. You underline. you about five pages long. You just letter, letter it all out. Send text messages. You, you leave messages on answering machines. You get it out and you feel better. You get it off your chest. You're a spewer. Now, if you're a stewer, it's just the opposite. You're a little bit harder to find because you're still just as dangerous, however. So you keep it all bottled up inside of you. It stirs inside of you and the anger builds up and it's like water that's about to boil and you say everything's fine yet you're about to put cyanide in somebody's coffee because you're stirring on the inside you don't want anybody to know and here it comes now let's talk about spewers spewers are people who express how they feel they express it proverbs 29 11 proverbs a great book isn't it that's don baker he'll tell you it's it's a great book because you will find every wisdom piece of life in Proverbs. I, people, I ask them if they do a daily Bible reading, and some people do, a lot of people don't. I challenge them to go to Proverbs and read a proverb a day. Because there's 31 Proverbs, and there's never more than 31 days in a month. If you get to a month there's 32 days, please let me know. Because Jesus is coming, we've been left behind, so... 
But 31 days, so read that proverb for that day. So today would be the 24th. So read the 24th proverb. What's really exciting to me is how the Holy Spirit will take the truth in that proverb and somewhere in your day, that day, is going to be something that's going to help you from that proverb. It's just awesome how he does that. So I would encourage you to start that. But here's a, here's a great one. In Proverbs 29 and verse 11, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. A fool gives full vent. And, and it's great to watch people get angry because they are flat funny. When I was in high school growing up, Richard Montgomery... I never, I never probably will, I hope I never forget this because it taught me a lesson. But I was, a, I didn't drink. Most of my friends did. And so I ended up at the parties and I was the guy that took them home because they couldn't get there. And uh, this was before we, this was just out of junior high into freshman year. We didn't have driver's license then. So we had to walk everywhere. So Richard was so drunk, he walked into a tree. And he thought it was a person. I'm telling you, I was busting up laughing. He stepped back and he says, who are you to push me around? <laughs> well, I pro and I've repented since then, but I said, well, I think you should take him out. I'm going to right here. <laughs> he back, I mean, he backed up and ran flat. He said, I'm going to tackle him right. I said, go for it, man. <laughs> God, I'm sorry I did that. He hit that tree. <clears throat> and we had the funeral. No, I'm just saying. It was the funniest thing I can remember ever growing up in high school was watching Richard Montgomery try to take that tree out who he thought was a guy. Even funnier was the next day when he was sober <laughs> and he had all these scratches all over him. He said, what happened to me? I said, oh, you wouldn't believe it. He said the guy was five foot tall. I think he weighed 90 pounds, but buddy, he took you out. <laughs> he said, you're kidding me. I said, no, he doesn't go to our high school, man. He doesn't go to our high school. I'm glad because you probably hurt him. He said, boy, you ain't kidding. I hurt him. I said, I know you would, man. So I've repented, and I repent again, God, just for doing that. That's... But you know, anger, <laughs> well, you give full vent to your anger. A fool does that. We need to be careful about how we do that. He was at home one day and he got angry and in a moment he lost his anger. He got his fist clenched and he hit his wife and he hit his innocent child. And as he shares this story about how that moment when he lost control changed his life forever, he says he went to jail, he lost his wife, he lost custody of his child. And you might be saying, well, you know, preacher, I could, I could never do that. I, I could never lash out and hit anybody. Well, that's the same thing this guy said in the story I was reading. He goes on to share that I, I've never done anything before that, and I've never done anything since, but in a moment of weakness, I lost control. I lost my temper. Maybe today you don't think you could lose your temper, that you could lose control. And hit somebody physically. But I'm here to tell you that there's times when we hit them with our words. And it's just the same way as doubling up your fist and hitting them right across the jaw. Because words are powerful. And you might 
step back and say, well, I wish I'd have never married you. Or you might look at a child and say, well, I wish you were never born. Or maybe it's a little more subtle. Well, what have you been doing all day? (laughs) Where's dinner? Ah, you'll never amount to anything. I'm telling you, words are powerful. There's life and death in the tongue. The Bible says that. Spewers express it. They leave a path of devastation behind them as they do. And then the second group of people are stewards. They suppress it. I think of the story of the prodigal son. Many of you know that story, how the young boy takes his inheritance and blows it like he's living in Vegas. He comes home. Dad throws him a big party. Then there's the older brother in the story. In Luke 15, 28, the older older brother becomes angry and refuses to go. The older brother is stewing. Rather than go in, here's what he's doing. Rather than going in and celebrating the return of the brother, he turns his back, he stays outside, and maybe he says something like this to himself. Man, I can stay home in the whole t- this whole time and look after the family business. No one throws me a party. What does my younger brother think he is? And taking off and living large, coming back, and they throw him a party. Where was he when I had to run the business? He wasn't around. So the older brother's stewing and he's getting angry and he doesn't think he's doing any damage, but stewards emotionally shut yourself down. You put up a wall to those who love you and it's just as destructive because we don't let anybody come in there. If we're upset, we'll say, no, I'm fine. Everything's good. Oh, no, it's good. But we distance ourselves in relationships, don't we? You see it all the time. Because we refuse to tell them what's really wrong. Tell them. Tell them what's wrong. Do it in a gracious, loving way as you can, but tell them. We don't communicate it. We, we keep that anger and it starts to eat at us. Psalm 32.3, that's another great book by the way. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Wow. So what do I do with my anger? They're spewers, they're stewers. So today, what we're going to do? What are we going to do with this anger? Because being angry is not a sin, right? <laughs> we talked about that. What we're going to do with our anger? But it really all depends. Because if it's a sinful anger, that's what we've been talking about so far. But if it's a sanctified anger. That's another type of anger. Sanctified anger is something that angers the heart of God. If it's sinful anger, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put it out. You put out sinful anger. When we feel sinful anger rising up inside us, we go to Proverbs 17, 14, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So what do you do? We drop the matter before the dispute breaks out. My good friend Doy Doak gave me the best piece of advice probably 10 years ago over biscuits and gravy. It seemed like that's when I got most of those. But he looked at me one day and he said, you know what, preacher? He said, you'll know that you're growing in your, in your walk with God 
when you don't have to have the last word. Think about that a minute. How many conversations do you have with people and they've got to make sure they get the last word in? I just love letting them do it now. I just smile at them. What are they going to do with you? Because you're just smiling at them. They don't know what to do with you. They may come up to you and call you a dirty dog or whatever. That's fine. Just smile at them. That's what I encourage these football players to do when I get to hang around them. I said, you don't have to be mad and angry. Just smile. They don't know what to do with you. Like Reggie White. Hey, Jesus loves you. I'll be right back. <laughs> Man, that diffuses the whole thing, doesn't it? We need to be about that business. Sinful anger, put it out. I'm reminded of the guy that moved to the United States from Europe as I read this story. And, of course, he got here to America and he was going to go driving for the first time he was here. And he got going and he had heard, you know, about the road rage in America. And so he was a little bit concerned about driving. But he went out driving and, sure enough, he's from Europe. And all the cars are coming head on to him. He can't understand why they're coming straight at him. My goodness, get in the right lane. <laughs> and, of course, there's gestures as they people go by and swerve and miss. And, but he gets beaded up on one mom in a minivan. And this mom is on a mission. And this mom is not going to move. And he soon recognizes he's not, she's not going to move. And he decided he wasn't going to move, so he floors it. He says, I'm going to have my way. <laughs> and as he got closer and closer and closer, he thought she would bend and she didn't. And she, she kind of leaned over, you know, leaned forward on the steering wheel. He knew he was in trouble. He could see her eyes. And they also saw an exit sign on the right. And it said, boy, as soon as he could, he shot off of that exit sign. And that's what you and I need to do. Is we need to take an exit sometimes. When our marriages aren't going right. Take an exit. Maybe go off somewhere for the weekend. Uh, maybe go out to dinner. Quit worrying about the little things and spend some time discussing the little things. Show appreciation for the things that we do have and not what we don't have. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend you're not getting along with. and Maybe you're irritable and uh, you're frustrated. What? what Take the exit. Go to bed early. Sleep it off. Uh, maybe you've got somebody that drives crazy. Well, let them go in front of you. It's usually better anyway, and by the time you get to the stoplight, they're sitting there. <laughs> Have you noticed that? I love to just pull up beside them and just kind of laugh. It's, it's, it's fun. Well, fun to me. <clears throat> because I was usually the guy that was speeding by them and then... The other people would get up to me at the stoplight. You know, that's the way I was. Not so much that way anymore. Like I say, whatever it is, take count to ten. Stop a minute. Find an exit. Take the exit. Especially if you're mad or angry at yourself, you're frustrated with, with yourself, you need to realize that God loves you and God's grace is sufficient for you. And it's because of His grace that we have any hope at all anyway. And we need to accept that. and We need to take an exit. You might feel anger rising up inside you. Put sinful anger out and take an exit. 
Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Put it out. Deal with it. Anger is a choice. It's a desire. You can master it. You can put it out. Take the exit. So, what, But what do we do with sanctified anger? We simply fan the flame of sanctified anger. So how do we know if we have sanctified anger? Well, what, what angers you? Could it be poverty? Do you realize that there's one in seven people who go to bed hungry every night? We're doing a Thanksgiving outreach from our community here. Among our churches, we're going to have a Thanksgiving service November 21st at the PAC. And part of that is to collect food so that we can build up boxes. That's what these boxes are all about here. We're going to, we're going to, we were going to do 70, and that swelled on Wednesday, actually on Thursday, to 110. So now we have 110 families in the Jinx School District who need help at Thanksgiving. They've been identified by the counselors of the schools where these numbers have come from. Is that not amazing to you? People talk about Jinx and how wealthy it is. Well, how do we have 110 families that have a need? Well, we do. And collectively as churches, hopefully there's 10 churches going to help, and we'll all pull together, and here we go. So we'll be talking to you about that here pretty quick. But maybe it's poverty. Maybe you're angry with disease. There's 38 million people that have AIDS. Maybe your anger is with kids and parents of these kids who could have preventable diseases, but they don't do it. Every minute, 20 kids die from diseases that are absolutely preventable. Did you know there's just so many, uh, there's just so many people in poverty living below the poverty line? And what angers you? What is your sanctified anger? I want you to think about it. What is it? Maybe it's drugs. You, you've seen how destructive it can be, maybe even firsthand. Well, I say fan the flame. Do something about it. What is your sanctified anger? Jesus had a sanctified anger. Look in Mark 3. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. He had sanctified anger. He says, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Stretch out your hand. Jesus used anger to do something wonderful. I've got another blank on your paper. What is your sanctified anger? What is it that just gets your boil flowing in your life? Take a moment and jot that down. Phyllis is going to come back to the piano. And we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, You've called us to not be angry. You've called us to be servants. But yet, God, there's some things that we need to be angry about. The things in this world that we need to be involved in. We need to get our heart tuned into. And Father, we keep thinking to ourselves, what difference can one person make? Well, I simply say, one person caused salvation for all mankind. Perhaps, Lord, we could do something. 
perhaps, Lord, we could take candy to some kids in a hospital on Halloween who aren't going to get a chance to do that. And what a difference it will make in their life. God, there's 110 families that we're going to reach out to as a community, a faith community. Could it be that we can raise all that food? God, could we get angry about the, where we find ourselves? The more we give out to, of ourselves and the more we help those in need, the more you are pleased with our service. We hear sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon, and we leave the church and we don't do anything about it. What are we going to do about it, God? Are we just going to keep going through the motions? Are we just going to keep wondering why this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen? Or are we going to have enough courage to roll up our sleeves and get angry about it? Angry enough to do something about it? To get involved? Oh, I know it's be a whole lot easier to go to some big church somewhere where we can sit on the back row and nobody knows who we are and we can go through the service and go through the motions and be entertained and off we go and we've committed our service to you after we drop five dollars in the bucket what can we get angry about lord what do we need to get angry about when was the last time somebody in this room went to bed angry God, give them an opportunity. Help them, Lord, to identify are they a stewer or a spewer? Help them to learn how to put out sinful anger and help them, Lord, to know how to respond with sanctified anger. And God, I know there's somebody in this room that's going to need something from you today. And I just pray, Father, that they will have the courage to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.